Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma. And joining me to take your questions this evening is Mark Dutoy from Oyster Catcher Investments and Roy Mutooni from Sunlam Investments. Do send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. So many numbers that came out of the JSC today, and we did see a sea of red on the JSC. Just on the, I guess, just general sentiment on the numbers that we have seen. Mark, is this investors really... Um, uh, are coming to terms with the fact that there are so many challenges in the operating environment and that businesses just cannot escape them? Mm, well, I think that um, I think the challenges are kind of well known and um, it's up to the individual performance of the companies. I mean, we did see, we have seen quite a mixed kind of bag. You know, some, some companies are able to anticipate the level of load shedding better than others and some have been able to cope better than others i mean first trans results came out today and they were they were really decent so you know i think that uh, it is a tough environment but the, the the good management teams rise to the top yeah and that's the thing though because uh, mark you know makes uh, an important point that the companies have flagged these uh, operational challenges uh, for example, implants, it's well known, but you look at the stock, at some point it was down more than 7%. I'm just wondering if these, uh, Roy, these numbers are kind of coming out with more information that the markets kind of hadn't priced into um, the share prices of these companies. Uh, how, what are you making of the disappointments that we have been seeing recently? So, so exactly like Mark was saying, um, we know the challenges, we had expectations for how they'll be dealt with. And, and what we really wanted to get out of the results was the outlook and what management did. So in the case of Impala, they get it very well, earnings would be flat, um, but we were all invested in platinum stocks because this was almost the peak of the cycle when they generate substantial amounts of cash. This time they don't have too much capex, so we thought you'd get a lot more money back to shareholders. But what we saw was, despite having over 20 billion rands worth of cash from the balance sheet, close to 20% of the market cap, they decided to cut their dividend. Um, clearly, there's an M&A angle there. Clearly, there's, there's a bit of capex or a variety of other things. But that shocks the market. And that spooks you. And you suddenly realize the investment case suddenly isn't what we thought it was. And it's not going back there. And, and you can go through that for a lot of these companies. I mean, the banks were different. Um, exactly like Mark was saying, because the banks, you're seeing good news. They've got the problem of Ghana, but all of them are fixing it. All of them are dealing with it somehow. So, so it's different strokes for different, for, for different stocks. And I think the astute investor looks into all of these things and understands that really good management teams differentiate themselves during difficult times such as these. Yeah. And just extending on Impala, actually, uh, besides the uh, numbers that came out, um, there was a question and answer session in the, uh, after the, the results presentation. And it actually came out that 
in terms of the corporate action uh, concerning RB Platt, they're now saying that, you know what, if this actually takes longer than we have the appetite for, we might actually just abandon this takeover bid. There's a lot, quite a lot of things that are outstanding at the moment. Mark, do you think that um, some of that commentary may be filtered into the reaction in the stock price today, or was that just purely on earnings? I think the movement in today's price was more on the lower dividend, like Roy said, and yeah. also, I mean, the production outlook being flat, although that was expected, costs slightly higher, guiding to slightly higher costs. I think that was more the reaction that we saw. Also in Platts, I mean, they can't, I mean, they, they're in this battle for Aubrey Platts. I mean, they can't sort of show their hand. So management are going to say different things, and it's more of a chess match between them and Northern. Um, and behind the scenes, you know, they have their own game plan. So I can't see the CEO of Implatznico coming out and saying, this is what we want to do, this is our plan, because that gives Northern the opportunity to react. So we just have to take what they say about the Obi Platz deal some um, some circumspect. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Roy, they say that if they do abandon that bid for RB Platt, then they'll be looking at other avenues for growth. But do you think that these will be enough to, to beef up the company as much as RB Platt was going to? So it becomes a different thing. I mean, RB Platt's, the synergies were very clear. They're neighboring, they're contiguous reserves and, and all of that. So anything else will be different. And I think that's what people get scared of. I mean, you saw Sibanya after going to North America, now in Australia, battery metals, you've got no idea. And the truth is, when you're mining um, CEO or mining management team, you know the hole you're digging is going to end eventually. Every time you have cash, you have to replenish that somehow. Um, and if it's not something that makes immediate sense, you're going to make up a story for it to make sense in the long term or strategically or something such as that. And I think that's what's spooking people, that at this point in time, would rather pay us the money, but it's quite clear M&A is in their minds. So, so yeah, so it's a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, all right. Well, let's get to uh, viewer questions that we have had today. So, uh, property companies are reporting better prospects in their trading statements. Panel view on redefine and uh, accelerate. Um, Mark, uh, do you have a view on Accelerate or can you give us uh, insights on your sentiment on Redefine? Yeah, I can talk a bit about Redefine. So I guess in general, um, we think that the property counters are largely fairly priced. Um, so you'll, you'll get your whatever return and a bit of, a bit of growth in earnings, um, but not looking, you know, fantastic investments at these levels. I mean, Redefine has done a lot of work to um, pay down their debt, get their um, uh, debt to net asset value ratio uh, uh, better in line. Um, I think they've done well uh, in that respect. Um, but we think that the shares are, are fairly priced. Um, and then in general, I mean, with South African government bonds yielding 11%, you know, you can you get a decent return without having to take on a specific property risk. Yeah. Um Roy, do you look at Accelerate? No, I haven't looked at that one in a long time. Mark, also, no? Um, Accelerate, I haven't looked at recently, but um, 
when we did last look at it, I mean, we felt that their main asset, uh, it was, it looked, you know, not as, I, th- I think the returns looked, looked lower than what you could get from a, a growth point, which is a better, a better company, more diversified, you know, it owns property in the Western Cape. Um, so yeah, so yeah. we prefer growth point uh, in all that right. respect. How about Bowen? Uh, Roy, there's a question here also on Bowen, if it's uh, a good long-term investment. So Bowen, um, they've, they've recovered massively. Remember, if you think long, long before they went bankrupt, they came back, they're everywhere. You see them everywhere with these huge developments. And that's a good thing. And, 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 and generally, at times like that, you think construction companies are, are, are good investments to have. But I'm always wary of construction companies. Um, at the top of the cycle, they develop inventories. They're unable to place them. They go bankrupt. Um, or the cycle turns against them. Or they're unable to build. So. I think these guys have proven their quality in terms of de- delivering product that the market actually wants in the right places. And from that perspective, they've done well. The market hasn't necessarily rewarded them, so it's de- the shares derated quite significantly because of the fears that I'm talking about. Um, those fears are not unjustified, and that's where investors should be quite careful because you're getting to a point where consumer interest rates are high. Consumer in, in, um, employment is not growing. Consumer incomes are struggling. So these guys could actually, because they build ahead of demand. And that's the thing. That's, that's how they make money. If, if you build in line with demand, other people will deliver ahead of you. But you have to take the risk. You have to deliver. So far, it's worked. It works until it stops working. So I would say it's cheap, without a doubt. They've done reasonably well. You have to be very sure that you have marginal safety beneath you and that the outlook is at least moderate. And that's the thing, because I do get every time I talk Mm -hmm. about property stocks that they two schools of thought, uh, people that (laughs) completely stay away from uh, property companies because of all the risks that you mentioned, Roy, uh, high interest rates, um, the the fundamentals aren't really supported, especially when you look at um, the South African economy. But Mm -hmm. uh, Mark, would you say that that's why they're cheap and considering what you're getting now in terms of returns it's cheap enough for you to go in and you will get rewarded for that yeah i think in bowen's case i mean that is why everybody is always um kind of uh, curious as to why it trades on such a low pe multiple and i mean roy outlined the risks quite well i mean Johannesburg property in particular is, is not not shooting the lights out. I mean, those of us that live here, we know our property prices haven't done anything for 10 years. We just got our municipal rates, valuations, and the municipalities valuing our properties a lot higher, looking to push through higher rates and taxes. So that in itself also devalue, devalues property. And it's, it's a difficult environment um, for a company like Baldwin to to push more stock into a, into a system that... Um, is already kind of, I wouldn't say it's oversupplied, but there, there's a decent amount of, of, of properties at reasonable prices um, at this point in the cycle. So that is why it trades on a low multiple. Um, I mean, it does look cheap and there are good operators. They, I mean, they know what they're doing. They, they have done well in the past. So, um, but I, I mean, it's not a, a company that I look at very closely. So I would say optically it looks cheap and you could probably buy it, but um, there are risks involved.
Uh, all right. Well, let's get into telecoms. Uh, there's a question here on Blue Label. Is it time to invest in Blue Label telecoms? Because the recapitalization of Celsi is done and Bluetel has no outstanding obligation with Celsi. Am I right or not? I think they released results about a week ago where they got a thrashing because of um, their exposure to Celsi. But they really have tried uh, to get their house in order on that front. Uh, is this the time to go into Blue Label? Is the business model good enough to, 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 mm -hmm. to believe in? Right. So, so Blue Labels, it, this is a very interesting point in their lives. I mean, speaking to management, they admit they've made mistakes with Celsi and they've paid, they've, paid with, they've paid with their wallets. I mean, they put a lot of money and they lost a lot of money. Now they've come up with a new model on the Celsi side. They will not have a network. They have their spectrum. They have a deal with MTN and with Vodacom where they co-roam on each other, which is quite innovative. It means they don't have CapEx. Um, they don't have CapEx. They have their prepaid base. They have their postpaid base. Um, and their margins can expand slowly and gradually with this MBO thing, MBNO thing. I think the thing which the market hasn't quite appreciated is how significant that Capitec um, MVNO can be for them because Capitec brings a big client base that's very sticky um, and at relatively good prices. But that said, even the core blue business, which is basically a payments, a prepaid payments business that, that has, that signed up a lot of merchants and a lot of clients as well. That's, that's a defensive business. Remember, that's where you buy your prepaid airtime, your electricity vouchers and things like that. It's pretty defensive. Even though volumes don't grow, you can get more from the same customers. So I think it's well worth watching. Um, management has to repair their their reputation and the perception that investors have of them. But this is a business model that over time can actually generate a lot of cash without needing much capex. And I think that's the crux of the matter. Telcos are typically capex intensive, low return, um, and you invest through the cycle. The business model they're following doesn't have that capex angle. So it will be interesting to see how that pans out. And if it works out, then, then this thing is very cheap as it stands right now. Let's get into uh, more questions. Uh, there's a question here on retail bonds. Um, retail bonds are paying 10.5%. How safe is the investment and what are the chances of a default? Is there a chance of default on, on, on retail bonds, Mark? If, if, oh, if, you know, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I think that the chance of default is, is very low. I mean, uh, they are backed by the South, or issued by the South African government. So, um, yeah, I think that the default risk is low, but obviously over time, as if our fiscal situation deteriorates, um, and, you know, we could face a situation like we see in Ghana now where, you know, typically what happens is if, if you, t if you borrowed in dollars for too long, um, you'd end up in a situation where uh, foreigners will, you know, see that you're not able to repay. Uh, the debt that you owe and end up having to apply to IMF for a, uh, a restructuring. I mean, South Africa is not in that position at all at this point in time. So I would say that the, the default risk is very low. Yeah. So, Roy, I mean, would you say that this is the safest place to park your money? Look, it's a high yield, zero transaction costs. Um, okay, you... you if, if you withdraw early, you do get penalized. I think it's the month's interest or something like that. But yeah, it's nice and simple. You just do it off the website. 
If you want to fill in forms, you fill in forms. Um, yeah, it's in, in terms of transaction costs, it's the cheapest that there is. In terms of returns for fixed income investment, it's probably as high as anything else that there is out there. And exactly like Mark said, it's a sovereign, it's a sovereign bond. If the government does default, you've got bigger worries than your your deposit in the retail saving fund. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's... They're, they're defaulting on grand debt, which is yeah. We, we say it's impossible, but we've seen examples. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Let's get into banks. Um, NetBank. I came out with few results today. NetBank expects any uh, uh, earnings per share uh, to increase by as much as twenty nine percent, and HIPS uh, by as much as twenty two percent. These are the kinds of results that you can expect right now, uh, Mark, from NetBank. Yeah, so uh, Medbank pulling out a, a nice trading statement. Um, it's fairly in line with what the, the, the market has been expecting. Um, but what was interesting that they also put through a small um, well, provision against um, for, Ghana, uh, uh, for Ghana debt um, against the investment in ETI. So we can see that all the banks are having to take um, mm -hmm some impairment on, on the, the Ghanaian instruments that they only saw uh, first round putting through a small impairment today as well. Mm. And APSA, of course, put through, the, put through a larger one because they have a much larger, larger exposure in Ghana. But I think the, yeah, I mean, I think the, the trading update was, was good and in line with what the market expected. And um, we look forward to the results, uh, which I think are next week. Yeah. Um, just on, on, on banks in general, uh, uh, the SA banks, Roy, uh, because now there have been concerns that, you know, as much as they are outperforming, but it's like how, long, how much longer can they continue to do that when we have sluggish economic growth with load shedding, uh, really hobbling uh, the kind of growth uh, that we had been seeing, but just making things worse. Um, so how long can they continue to do that and also in such a competitive environment? So, so if, 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 if I break it down into the component parts of growth, first of all, you've still got the impact of rising interest rates, which feeds straight to the bottom line. That's one. They've all been very aggressive on cost cutting and managing their costs and managing their cost to income. Um, so that's another. And then transaction revenue in terms of pre-provisioning pre operating profit growth has been quite solid for them and there's some good momentum coming through. But I think the biggest thing that we've seen in the trading updates that's come is that there is actually growth in lending. And it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing because I guess most of it is coming from the likelihood that you'll have all of these private sector energy projects coming through that might allow these guys to have high single digits, low double digits loan growth, which is fantastic. This supports fees, it supports interest, um, supports structuring, it's longer term. And these guys haven't grown their books for a long time. This is the first big opportunity they have, and it's a real opportunity. It's urgent. Um, and the valuations are not stretched by any way, shape, or form. So in, in, in a world where there's so much uncertainty, you, you, you look at these management teams churning out ROEs between 17 and 22, trading a price to books of one, one and a half, give or take, um, and dividend yields of seven to nine percent these are solid investments they they'll, they'll continue generating positive returns to equity they'll pay you the dividends and the loan book the loan book will grow mm -hmm. even if interest rates remain at these high levels for for the for the medium term there's good enough returns for people to borrow and invest yeah um 
There's mm. another question on another bank. Why did Investec have such a bad day uh, falling almost 5%? Was there anything significant or was this just part of a, a broader market sell-off, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I also noticed Investec was down uh, 5 which was about 3% more than some of the other banking stocks. So it did underperform today. I mean, we had the, the first round presentation and, and um, you know, spoke quite a bit about the Eldermore business, which is in the UK, which I, I don't think that there's much read through to Investec's UK business because they are quite different. I mean, Investec has a very um, high net worth um, banking business in the UK, so they shouldn't have um, any, they shouldn't have the similar kind of default risk to, to first round's business, which is more, which is more um, uh, business banking and um, the buy-to-let market and second-hand motor finance. So it's quite a different business. Um, I think that um, we would look forward to Investec's results too. I think that they, they've actually done a lot to simplify the business and uh, have focused very much on their banking and wealth offerings. Um, and they've done well till now. So, and I think that their results will continue in that vein. So I'm not sure why it should have been down 5% today. Yeah, and that share price has been on quite a run. So just looking at um, what's happened today, uh, Roy, would, this, would you be looking at this as an opportunity to go into Investec? Just remember the thing about Investec, it's rated like um, a small, small UK listed bank, pretty much. That's very specialized in a very competitive environment. So you've got the Rand hedge quality or the other side when the currency strengthens like you saw today, that's going to be a problem. It's also rallied quite a lot. So profit taking always bothers you in times like these. And like I said, if you have the alternative, it's a well-run bank in a reasonably good space, but um, very in a very competitive space. But when you have the opportunity to come back to NetBank, ABSA, First Rand, it's most likely that's what people do. You just switch and you know you can sleep well at night. Yeah. Um, investors of Kiro clearly are not sleeping well at night. Um, they came out with their results today and um, the market reacted negatively. Um, and, and I'm just wondering if they just had glossy numbers um, on the top line and then, but like there was just pressure as you drill down to the numbers, Mark? Yeah, so I mean, Kara, I think, had a nice uh, set of numbers today, earnings up over 30%. Um, and I think that this, the story in Kara is really that they have extra capacity in their schools. And as the schools fill up, um, the grade eights move into high school, um, they fill up the capacity. So you get that growth in your top line, plus you get fee increases. So your top line's growing at, you know, north of, of, of 10, I think in this set of results it grew at 15%. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I guess that they face the same kind of cost pressure that everyone else is in South Africa and they do own a lot of property, which puts them at risk for, from high um, rate increases. But I think that the business is in good shape and, you know, they're going to continue to deliver on their strategy of growing into their capacity. And I think that you'll see their dividend yields uh, uh, start increasing in time. So I quite like the business. Um, perhaps the weakness in the share price, you know, it was unbundled from PSG last year. And it could be that there's some large shareholders that are still selling, uh, rebalancing their portfolios. Um, but other than that, I can't really see why the, why the share, share price should be weak. 
Roy, is it not a problem with how they're spending their money, talking about how they are going to spend about 800 million rand on capex, but also there's still that significantly high debt? Um, or is it a case of they have to spend this money because they have to invest for growth? So, so that's the thing. So, so this is a business that's eaten up a lot of capital to get to where it is right now. And, and investors were getting to the point believing that they had a solid enough footprint, they bought a few businesses, and now it was time to sweat the assets. Exactly like Mark was saying, get more people in through the system, raise fees, have ancillary revenue. But they've come out and said that they're spending, what, 650, 690, 700 million, 700 million onwards. So, so it's going to put pressure on the likelihood of a dividend, that's, that's for sure. So the dividend will probably grow, but not as much as people expect. And I guess investors just remember, if, if we're going to be spending this amount when the business is this mature, does the, is there a time that comes when, when we'll actually see the cash coming out? Mm. And I think that's, that's the concern. And in this market right now, what you want to see is strong cash generation going into dividends, share buybacks, and that sort of thing, paying down debt and everything. They've done a lot of the right things, but this definitely spooked people. Ah, all right. Well, something that uh, hasn't spooked you, uh, your stock picks for today. Mark, what will it be? Yes, I'm picking uh, Aspen today. Despite uh, it being up 18% in two days, we saw um, Stephen Todd announcing an upgrade to his guidance on how much uh, EBITDA he can bring in by filling up the capacity in their sterile manufacturing business. So previously he was saying that he could grow EBITDA by 2 billion rand a year. Now he's saying uh, by 4 billion rand a year, which um, is an extra 20% and could even be as high as 8 billion rand. So there certainly is a lot more growth to come out of Aspen. I think the market has been hesitant to to buy into that story, but it seems like it's a lot uh, a lot nearer term now. I mean, they are guiding to having a second half earnings uh, north of eight rand a share and the first half was six rand 80 odd. Um, so I think you're going to see the growth in earnings. You're going to see perhaps a bit of a, a, a re-rating in the stock, currently trading on 11 times earnings. I think it could be on a 13 or 14 times earnings. And then you also get your dividend of 2% a year. So I think from an investment, uh, it's still a good time to buy Aspen. All right. And on your side, Roy, what are you buying? Greenwood. Um, it's, it's one of those little ignored stocks, but it's a proper gem, um, benefiting from the problems that Transnet has. Their ports and terminal business continues to grow. Management is executing on their unbundlings and all of that. We sold Greenrod Bank, got the money in, paid it out to shareholders, um, very big dividend growth. And, and volume growth, which is something you're not seeing in this economy is something that they have. They've got the facilities, they've invested, they're getting volumes in. Um, for so long as commodity commodity um, demand exists and, and the use of their facilities is there, this is one to look at. And it's cheap. Um, cheap, well ignored. Uh, I think that's a good place to fish. Uh, all right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your time and insights. Appreciate it. My guests, Mark Dudoy from Oyster Catch Investments and Roy Motoni from Sunlam Investments. I'll be back again with a stock watch tomorrow afternoon.